the HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Piece. They're the ones that own it. They're the ones that take the responsibility. They're also the people that take the heat if something's wrong from their department. So what would happen a lot of times at the beginning is they would put the decisions to what they thought should be in the software. But then what they quickly learned within a few months or six months later when they wanted to roll out, it's terrible because the staff can't use it. It's so clumsy because they never used it, but they're the business owner. And I don't understand how they became the business owner if they don't even use the process, right? Is that just like yeah. an oxymoron? Well, yeah, and I think it, it gets back to, uh, do I think my job is to create technology all day or is it to create some kind of positive change, value, outcome, some downstream effect that's supposed to happen in the eye of somebody else? Because chances are, it's not for me. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome once again to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. It is wonderful to be here on this fantastic, fabulous Super Friday of June 4th. Marcus, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay, John. It's very good to be with you once again. That is great to hear. It is always great to be with you, too. And we have an exciting show for you tonight. We have an amazing guest Definitely. coming up who's actually into music, but actually has um, transitioned his career into doing consulting for uh, user experience design. So we'll learn a little about that uh, in the program as we progress. But the first thing I wanna talk about is Apple. Now, we talk about Apple and these <laughs> big companies a lot, but Apple is making a statement. Yeah, they they want their staff back, Marcus in their yeah. offices by September. And yeah. I quote, workers must return to their desk for at least three days a week. Chief Executive Tim Cook wrote, some staff members will be given the option to work the remaining two days remotely. Cool. That's interesting, John. So this is gonna be very interesting, Marcus, <laughs> yeah, because is. now they're setting this new precedence. And so, you know, anything that Apple does or Google does or IBM does, it's like, Everyone just sort of follows suit. Yeah. It doesn't really indicate whether it's right or wrong, but they sort of start the bar of, you know, where it's going to be. And I think a lot of people, Marcus, you know, that are working from home, right. I don't want to say they're taking advantage of this, but to be honest, they are. Yeah. Uh, some totally people don't are. want to return back to work. And now that things yeah. are actually changing, I think it's going to be pretty interesting that all this is happening. And... The world's starting to open up. I know a lot in New Jersey and many other places. But what I want you to all understand is that the pandemic is not over, ladies and gentlemen. And what we need to do is still be mindful about what's going on. And right. I think we do need to return to work. In a lot of places, I know like ours, we require that if people are going to come in the office, they need to be vaccinated without a mask. And uh, if they don't have a mask and we don't know them, we have a sign that says we may ask for proof. 
We'll talk about how you can get proof a little bit later in the program. So JBS, uh, I'm not sure if you remember JBS, but they're one of the largest uh, meat suppliers uh, in the world. And so they were founded in 1953. And the FBI says the Russia link group hacked meat supplier, Revel, is um, known as Saad in Akibi. Uh, and they're one of the most prolific and profitable cyber criminal groups in the world. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and so this operation um, by these uh, bad actors actually disrupted an entire meat production plant. And, you know, they didn't state, Marcus, whether they paid the ransom or not, but one thing about these ransomware companies that are doing this, they claim that they only hit the big guys. Isn't that kind, Marcus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they want to actually go after the people that have the money as they don't really want to put people out of business. Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat because my next guest, Mr. Brian T. O'Neill, um, he is a consulting product designer and the founder of Designing for Analytics, where he helps companies create innovative machine learning language, ML, and analytic solutions. Over the years, um, Brian has worked alongside reputable companies, like I'm sure you'd know, JP Morgan Chase, TripAdvisor, and more. Uh, O'Neill also hosts the highly rated podcast show called Experiencing Data, where he speaks with a wide variety of guests asks insightful questions, and delves deep into the humanistic side of data science. Through his seminars and free weekly mailing list, O'Neill focuses on the design and user experience of products and how to make your innovative data products appeal to customers and produce business value. In his free time, O'Neill is also a classical and jazz musician and a professional drummer, or I guess what everyone likes to call in the music industry as a percussionist. Please help me welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, Mr. Brian T. O'Neill, to shed a little light for us on machine learning, analytics, and how the UXI uh, plays a big role into that. Welcome to the stage. Well, hi, everybody. It is John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur, and I am very pleased today to have Brian T. O'Neill with me to discuss some interesting facets about ML, uh, which is machine learning, uh, UX for user experience, and the analytics of the designs. A lot of times people don't really understand it's not just about making something look pretty, uh, is it, Brian? Welcome uh, to the show, correct. by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. We've got to make it. I we got to make it functional. So I got to ask you, Brian. I mean, this is a fascinating field. Myself being an engineer, and you know, hearing uh, more and more about ML and AI and UX. How did you get into this field? Uh, sure. Well, I've been in uh, as I've been a digital designer for about twenty five years. Started in the late nineties, kind of at the height of the internet when it was kind of getting going, and and uh, we were building businesses on the web and all of that. So. Uh, actually through my music career. I'm also a professional percussionist and the, I was in the Flagstaff Symphony and the conductor uh, recommended me to an agency that had just built the uh, the symphony's website. And that kind of started some summer interning uh, as a web designer. Uh, and eventually uh, it, it became a kind of a second career for me. So about 10 years ago, I started to focus on uh, primarily enterprise 
software, particularly uh, data products. So uh, uh, um, applications that are trying to help people make decisions with information. So sometimes we call this analytics. Sometimes they're predictive or prescriptive, which is more of the field of machine learning and all of that. Uh, and, and my focus is really now on, on helping companies not put the technology first, but to put the people first. Uh, so we look at it that through the lens of human-centered design so that the, the software actually works for the people instead of us trying to cram software down the throats of people that don't want to use it or they don't know what to do with the data and the information that's there. I love that, Brian. I mean, yeah. so many times when you think about a, a software app or you think about a website, it's yeah. never designed for usability. It's designed yeah. for the cheapest way to develop it. Yeah. Or the way that looks nice, but it's really hard to to navigate. Sure. I was going to ask you now that I know that you do music. Uh, I guess those are symbols in the background that I'm seeing. Those are, right? Yes. <laughs> symbols. And you also yeah. have a uh, a xylophone. I believe I'm seeing there. Is that this right? This is actually a, a vibraphone. Xylophones have wooden bars. Uh, the vibraphone has aluminum bars. So it's a little okay. bit different. Like the NBC chime. If you've ever okay. heard that, that's that's a vibraphone. So we don't just talk about technology here. Folks. We're going to learn <laughs> about other go. things on this show. So I got to ask you this. So when we talk, talk about websites, Sites. We talk about apps and all kinds of things that can hopefully make our lives yeah. easier. Um, what can we do to make sure that these concepts, because that's what they are, these these uh, brainstorms, when we try to transform them into something that will hopefully make our lives and other people's lives better, and not just a fad, is there any kind of tips or advice you can give our viewers to maybe think about or ponder before they actually start to do something? So if you're a, if you're talking about from the creator side, someone that wants to create something, I think one of the most important mindsets to get uh, right is to think about creating an outcome and not creating an output, because it's very easy to make things today. So it's easy to find developers, engineers, designers to create mockups, to create code, to create software, getting an outcome some type of value, which is defined by not just the business, but the people who it's for, who is it supposed to serve? If we don't understand what the outcome is that we want the technology to provide, that's where things can go wrong. The user experience is a part of facilitating those business outcomes as well, helping people get through their day. And in, in my context, it's, it's typically enterprise and business software. So reducing friction, reducing risk, reducing time, reducing frustration, so people can focus on higher value work. And in my case, not spending lots of time sifting through data, trying to understand it, but instead making decisions with that information. One of the things that always hits me, Brian, is, and this happened from the very beginning when I started, you would enter something in, and then later on, usually on a government website, you have to enter it again. And I'm like, why are you doing this to me? Yeah. You already asked me this on screen one. Why aren't you capturing the data correctly and then reusing it? Yeah. Oh, we didn't think about that, right? I guess yeah. that's just one example of people just not doing the right things. Well, it's a, it's an example of technology first, right? And this is, I, I call this technically right, effectively wrong. So I love it, that it passes all of the QA. It passes all the technical requirements. Technically, you can get through it. There's no errors. But man, is it hell? Isn't it not? It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It takes a ton of time. I got to start over every time. I mean, it's like these COVID vaccinations, right? And the thing resets every time you want to go through it. Yes. And we have people, third party people like 
making their own websites because all the, the government ones are so terrible. And, and a lot of this is like, well, this is what happens when we focus on cheap and we focus on jumping into engineering and technology first, and we don't think about user experience, it becomes a byproduct. And so part of this idea is that everybody, when we work on technology, everybody is already a designer. There are, if someone's making a decision about what the customer or the user is going to use, they are a designer already. The question is, are they doing it with intent or is the design and the experience just a byproduct of all the technical work that they did? So a lot of my work is helping leaders start to do it with intent, leveraging human-centered design. And there's, there's techniques and practices to do that. And there, there are things that non-designers can also learn how to do. And I'm not talking about decorating. I'm not talking mm -hmm. about just look and feel and, and the way, and that stuff does matter. And it, it literally matters on a business level, on a psychological level. It's not just about cosmetics, but I'm talking about how it works, how it feels. Does it deliver the value in the eye of the customer? Because the business is still people. And if we're serving business people, we're fearing people. There's no, it's just like government is us. There's no magic entity called the government, which is not just a bunch of people doing stuff. And it's the same thing. So when I hear like, we want to get business value from data, I'm always like, who are the human beings that are going to use the service? We have to understand their needs and how they will make decisions with data or else your machine learning or whatever this initiative you want to do, it will fail. There is no business entity. It's just people doing things. So how does this fit in? I love that because very few people today think about the end user, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And I know many years ago when I had uh, started one of my very first projects, we were always talked about in corporate America as the, um, you know, the, the business user or as the business owner. And for those of you that are not very technical watching the show, uh, those are the people that are basically responsible for let's call it the module or the software piece. They're the ones that own it. They're the ones that take the responsibility. They're also the people that take the heat if something's wrong from their department. So what would happen a lot of times at the beginning is they would put the decisions to what they thought should be in the software. But then what they quickly learned within a few months or six months later when they wanted to roll out, it's terrible because mm -hmm. the staff can't use it. It's so clumsy because they never used it but they're the business owner. And I don't understand how they became the business owner if they don't even use the process, right? Is that just like an yeah. oxymoron? Well, yeah, and I think it, it gets back to, uh, do I think my job is to create technology all day or is it to create some kind of positive change, value, outcome, some downstream effect that's supposed to happen in the eye of somebody else? Because chances are it's not for me, it's for somebody else. However, in a lot of especially large companies, you get paid to show up and it's easier to just kind of focus on the tech. And it's almost like, well, I don't really want to know what's going on over there. And for a while, some people may be able to hide behind that. But ultimately, someone has responsibility at a high level to deliver value on this. And, and this is starting to change. It's changing, mm -hmm. especially in the field of data science, which was a very hot area in the last it still is in the last couple of years. But now the conversation is changing to when are we going to start getting some value for all this very expensive investments we're trying to make? Because the business leaders are still saying, oh, we want it. We need an AI strategy and it's tactic solution first. And most of the people doing this work aren't trained to go out and find problems to think strategically, to think about users. 
they're very good at solving a well-defined data problem, a data science problem, but there's a different skill set, which is to understand what is the problem because we need AI is not a problem. It is a leading statement with a tactic built into it. So product, product and design thinking teams, teams that think about the customer and the problem space first, they're going to succeed better at this, but it, we need to change the culture a bit. And so a lot of my work is in trying to help data science and analytics groups think about that user experience piece as a way that will actually let them do more rewarding work. They will produce more value, but their stuff will get used. They won't spend six months building something that no one's gonna use. They won't have people saying, when are we gonna get to see something that matters? When are we gonna get to see some value from this thing? We will find out sooner because we will be leveraging uh, more rapid iteration cycles and we will focus on learning by, by working with the customer and not trying to shove the solution down their throat nine months later when they haven't been involved. Here's a model that will tell you what pricing to use when you're selling widgets to a customer. And you send that to a sales team who's never heard of you, they don't know what data science is, and now the AI is supposed to tell them, here's the price to charge for, for carrots if you're gonna sell carrots to the grocery store. They're not gonna use that. They're gonna do it the old way unless there's fear of their job or something else. The easier way is to understand what's it like to be a salesperson selling carrots to a grocery store and how to set the prices. How do you do it now? How can we make it better? What's difficult about that? And, and working together with the customer, we have a much higher chance of actually delivering a machine learning solution or a AI solution or analytics that will actually get used on a regular basis. That human machine interaction piece is really important. This reminds me of the paradigm, you know, when people say they want to become successful. Mm -hmm. One of the things that some of the great people in the world have said, if you want to be successful, go ahead and study someone who already is successful <laughs> and mirror what they do, but write down what they do, know what they do, understand the process. And then when we understand the process, we can then teach that to someone else so they can be just like that person, maybe a little better, but they can have the same characteristics or attributes. And I guess for our viewers uh, tonight, what you really do, in case people are wondering, what is UX? What is machine learning? What is all this analytics? What does it mean to you? In English, it is a very unique science that helps develop software from a usability standpoint, which basically means that you make the software usable for people. They want to be able to start using it, because it's friendly, because it's just natural. Mm -hmm. It's not something that they have to use because, you know, their cell phone doesn't work and they have to figure out how to unlock it. And suddenly uh, Apple took away the feature because you can't use the finger anymore. You have to use your face. So mm -hmm. things like that, you, you, when you like something and you feel comfortable, you're going to use it and you're going to be the company's biggest, uh, you know, a person that's going to be giving referrals because you're so happy. They always say when you're unhappy with something, you're going to tell a lot of people. When somebody's happy, they're only going to tell one or two people. But hopefully those one or two people will tell a lot more people. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's different so, things going on there depending on whether you're talking about, you know, business versus consumer. Because if you're a business, a lot of times you don't have a choice. Someone in purchasing made a decision about the tools and services you have to use or IT told us we had to go use this new application. And a lot of that stuff just ends up 
not getting used. I mean, we're talking, I, I've talked to people on my own podcast and clients. It's like, we have 10,000 reports, 10,000 dashboards and analytics things that have been made. We have no idea who's using what. We don't know what's creating value. And a lot of times new leaders come in and you know what they do? They shut it down and they wait for the phone to ring to find out what actually <laughs> needs to be used. And this is how much waste, wasted talent and technology there is because it's easy to make dashboards and applications and write code. And it feels like progress. Check the code in. We have a weekly meeting. Here's what I made. Here's the features I added. Here are the bugs I fixed. And it feels like progress. But if we never measure the value, the, the usability and the utility, and we're not regularly interfacing with customers and users along the way, we may not be creating any value. So we have to stop measuring engineering increments all the time as the only measurement of success and look at the harder qualitative human aspects there, which can be aligned to specific business goals, but that cu customer exposure time is probably the most important thing that technical teams can have. Regular ongoing exposure to real people that are using uh, the solutions that they're working on. This is the best way to, to, to change the culture if it's if it's a technical driven one or a data driven one, that, that this is the best way to do it. You said a mouthful there, Brian, a lot of great <laughs> nuggets. And I think the one that really resonates with me the most is that everyone today in corporate America is just trying to do busy work so they can have meetings and they have meetings for meetings for meetings. I mean, they have meetings and there's no point in having a meeting just because they have to have a meeting about it. I mean, it's just like so stupid. But I think what it comes down at the end of the day is they're just trying to justify their work as an employee, but really the management is the problem. They're getting them to do busy work, but they're only doing what they're told because management actually tells them what to do. The coders are always just going to code, right? I mean, they're not going to know what to do. Someone like you is going to give them the instructions on what should be done. Am I correct? Well, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there. I I do think that there are Sorry. organizations that have a that do have probably a heavy a heavy meeting culture. Um, you know, my goal, I mean, with, with consulting, yeah, sometimes if, if people want the fast track answer, then yes, I might be helping someone with the strategy, and it's less about me telling them what to do, but saying here's together, here's the direction that might work the best for the users based on the work we've done together. Ultimately. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtowns Healthcare in Denver. Downtowns Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtowns Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It, it, ultimately, if we can get the people making this stuff uh, working with the people deciding what the stuff is going to be. So if we're talking about software, it's not, it's getting the engineers and the designers and the product owners or whatever the roles you want to call it, but someone who has that business responsibility working together in cross-functional teams. We need these different perspectives. We need engineering perspectives on what's possible, not too early because there, there's a time to talk about 
technical limitations and, and how long it's going to take and all of that. But early on, it's it's really good to have different perspectives, a business perspective, a user experience perspective, a technical perspective, a domain knowledge perspective. And these, these things naturally pull at each other because they're all coming from different places. But that diversity of thought is really actually quite powerful in finding novel solutions uh, here because an engineer is going to have a lot of knowledge about there's other ways to do this. I've solved this other kinds of problems with technology over here. What if we just did this instead? They have that perspective. The, the person closest to the user, they understand the work to be done. I know what it's like to be an accountant, a controller, a marketing, a CMO. I know what that's like. I know what they're trying to do. Luck, hopefully that CMO or whatever is also part of this equation, but these different perspectives help us develop empathy for the user and ultimately mm -hmm. create better solutions faster. And in terms of corporate America, a lot of this is also about there's not a culture of learning. Everybody wants to throw around the innovation word, but part of innovation is about taking steps, failing, and then learning something from that. So if the measurement of success is about learning increments and not just about getting the right answer, it's it changes the thinking. But this isn't how a lot of teams work. And most places don't want to fail. And most people don't want to fail because fail and I'm talking about lowercase fail here, right? I'm talking about iterations of work that we did. We tried this thing. We tried to get it out quickly. It didn't work, but here's what we learned. And then we changed this and then we did it again. This is not how a lot of uh, traditional companies work. Software companies, a lot of more mature ones do understand this. They have cross-functional teams. They work in short sprints and cycles. To, and, and this is getting into you know agile development, which I have different issues with in some ways, but sure. I like the idea of rapid learning, rapid experimentation, getting feedback and building that in so that we're learning. And this is really all innovation is. A lot of places just don't do it that way though. <laughs> they, they don't care. So I think this has been really educational, Brian. I think what the, yeah. the main thing is that people have to understand is that when you're gonna do design or you're gonna get involved, you need, really need to have that empathy and that support for other people that are using mm -hmm. it, whether that's on your team yeah. or whether that's customers, because if you don't, they're going to just go use someone else's software if we're mm -hmm. talking about an end user type product. Well, Brian, this has been really yeah. educational to uh, myself and also to our uh, viewers tonight. And I just want to ask you, is there anything you'd like to share with my viewers, any way that they can reach out to you if they have further questions for you, either sure. a website, uh, if you'd like yeah. to provide that, go ahead. Uh, yes, I, I have a, a mailing list. Uh, it's my insights mailing list. So you can just go to designingforanalytics.com. Uh, and there's also a podcast I host there called Experiencing Data. So we talk about these uh, strategies and how uh, leaders are using human-centered design to help build better data products. So yeah. Well, Brian, this was really uh, interesting. Like I said, uh, really learned a lot. And good. I know when we have other questions about AI and other types of design, I'm sure we'll come back to you because I'm sure you'll be a good uh, guest again if we have some of these issues because they're going to keep emerging, especially with COVID. I'm sure these kinds of, I'll call it the cat and mouse or the chase, they're going to keep coming back. Yeah. And yeah. they're going to be more uh, vigilant than they probably were in the past. So again, thank you again for your time. We wish you all the best. Thank and you. it is great work that you're doing. Thank you for having me.
Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Well, oh, machine wow. learning, ML, yeah. you obviously understanding, <laughs> you know, the UX, the user experience, uh, often referred to, as we said, is, uh, you know, the user experience or UX design, yeah. you know, understanding from Brian about, you know, the meaning of why certain screens are chosen and a lot of the work that goes into making a program not just functional, but also making sure that it has a human computer interaction that's going to make sense. Exactly. You know, something as easy as clicking on a button and then when you go to another side and then it giving you an error message or it not doing the desired result and you have to try to figure out what it's doing, well, that's not a very good uh, UX design or UX experience. And that's actually going to cause people to, uh, you know, not want the product what did you think about it marcus i, I thought it was pretty interesting uh, a yeah. lot of the insights he gave us and also the way he's also um, a musician and a percussionist yeah a lot of that really showed in his expertise i really loved the interview it was again we away. definitely want to thank uh brian for joining us on the show today i know the information he provided was very very useful and i know we all learned something but to be able to you know, really experience what's going on. I think we don't often, I guess, appreciate the time that goes into software. I mean, I develop software all the time, but just knowing that there's a lot that goes into software. And if you don't put the right effort and the right purpose and the right meaning, garbage in, garbage out, right? That's the old <laughs> exactly. So again, Brian, thank you very much for joining us this evening on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. Well, Marcus, something interesting is starting to hit the workplace. They're yeah. trying to ban non-work hour emails and phone calls made by bosses and managers. Oh, man, this is very overdue. And I want to make a quote. <laughs> Work has got more stressful over the last year, says Claire Millay. And I quote, there's a pressure to check emails, jump on video calls, and to be on hand at all hours of the day. And it's become harder to draw a line between work and home life. I can agree. So when the day ends, whether your day ends at four or ends at five or six or what have you, I think it's really important for your employer to understand that if you're not on call, then you can't be expected to respond to emails because exactly. let's face it, it can probably wait to Monday morning, right? Right. Unless you're someone that's, you know, uh, on the graveyard shift or you're someone that is right there 24-7 needing to jump in at a moment's notice because something has happened. That's really the only time and that's part of your job description. But What's happening, Marcus, is all these people that whether they're in client services, customer service, whether they're day engineers, whether they're programmers, uh, whether they're business analysts, uh, accountants, uh, sales professionals, mm -hmm. 
the boss is starting to just presume that because they're home and they were working during the day that they're just available. I think that's wrong, and I think it's yeah, rude. dead wrong. Now, I know there are yeah. times when that yeah. might happen for a certain project. Maybe this weekend you're on call, but I think it just can't happen all the time. And no. if you're abusing people like that, you're going to stress them out. You're going to cause them to burn out, and um, they're going to quit. So I think we have to understand a big thing, which is to respect boundaries. Right. And I want to make another quote. The official advice across the UK currently is for people to work at home wherever possible to preserve the well-being. The Mental Health Foundation recommends that bosses stay in daily contact with employees. I can't agree with that more. Yeah, communication, yeah. communication, communication. That's key. My dad always said something, having his master's in finance and also in real estate. The most important thing in real estate is one thing, location, location, location. Mm. And when it comes down to business or even people, relationships, you know what the most important thing is? Communication, communication, communication. communication, communication. communication. <laughs> if you don't know yeah. how somebody's feeling or how they're handling the workload, that could be a big problem. Maybe if they're part of a team. So communication, communication, communication. And it'll be very interesting to see, Marcus, yeah. if this is really going to happen. Are they going to be able to implement um, an official ban by the government? Is that going to happen? That's possible. Uh, and I want to quote something else. The Office for National Statistics has found that 35.9% of the UK employed population did at least some of their work from home last year. This group, while saving time on commuting, did an average of six hours unpaid overtime each week. That adds up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I know employers always say, well, gee, you know, what's five minutes? You know, what is five minutes? Well, if you think about someone from the reverse end of the spectrum, and let's just say that someone worked for you and they they came in late five minutes every single day. So you do that, ladies and gentlemen, times um Okay, you, you, you can basically take the five minutes on the in, and maybe they did that in the in, and then maybe they did on the out. So maybe that's 10 minutes a day. If you take 10 minutes a day times 365 days a year, that's a lot. Yes, so now if we take plenty. away, let's say we take away that maybe they had vacation for, I don't know, let's say they had, um, let's say they had um, 14 days, okay? So, you know, we know uh, that if they did it for, again, you have to do it by the, the days. So you have to realize that in a calendar, I'm just going to go ahead and subtract out just because there's weekends and stuff like that, too. I'm actually going to do this math a little bit better. I'm going to do 10 times five days. OK, and instead of being 52 weeks of the year, I'm going to basically say 50 weeks so we can account, account for the vacation. So that is, ladies and gentlemen, 2,500 extra minutes. Well, you're probably oh saying, John, that really doesn't matter. Okay, so let's say you're a basic employee, okay, and you make $25 an hour. If we divide that, ladies and gentlemen, by 60, okay, that is 0 0.416. If we multiply that times 2,500, that's an additional $1,041.66 that that employee is beating you on. But ladies and gentlemen, let's now flip the slipper 
and see what happens when six hours of overtime. Now, I just told you $25. Now, that's a low um, hourly rate, but let's just start there. If we take $25 uh, an hour, okay, and we're saying that they're doing an average, okay, uh, they're doing an average of about roughly six hours, okay, uh, you know, that that's a lot uh, per is. week. So if we take that same time, okay, first let's go ahead and take the factor of what it is. So that's $150 extra times 50 weeks a year, that's $7,500. That is more than, okay, if we take what it was, it was just sitting at right at a, uh, sitting right at around $1,061. That is more, ladies and gentlemen, than six times. That's almost seven times point something that the employees are actually ripping off the employer. Oh, now, I terrible. know that, that, we always think that that five minutes is no big deal or that 10 minutes a day is no big deal, but it adds up, ladies and gentlemen. And I know you're saying, well, gee, what does it matter if it's only a thousand bucks? Okay, you don't think the thousand dollars is important. Let's go and think about the fact that as your thousand, let's say a thousand sixty-one dollars and no cents. And let's just say you had, I don't know, let's say you had four employees that did that. You just wasted yourself $4,244 on payroll. Not to mention the extra money you have to pay because when payroll kicks in, there's extra money you have to pay uh, the yeah. government and um, you know, pay paying unemployment and Medicare, things like that. So I think, ladies and gentlemen, it's really important that um, – Right now, employees treat employers with respect and employers treat employees with respect. It's a two-way street, ladies and gentlemen. I agree. And so I feel that working from home is not something that can happen all the time, especially if your boss cannot trust you 24-7. There has to be a real uh, symbiotic trust relationship. And if you don't have that, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to be a telecommuter. You're not going to be able to work from home. No. So let's be honest before we start throwing stones at our own glass houses. <laughs> let's go ahead and look uh, before we throw them at other people's glass houses. Uh, look at ourselves first, because we may be really doing something that is wrong. And even though in the case of the fact that people say, oh, gee, it's a problem, it's a problem, it's a problem. But now just think about the employees that were complaining about that you know, that whole thing. And now the employee who was having the issue with the five minutes and saying, oh, gee, that's a big problem and, and saying something to the employee. But now the employee is taking advantage over seven times, yeah. okay, what the employer was have happening to them when they were uh, in the office. So again, it's still an employee type thing, but in the office, they're beating them a lot less. So Again, let's be mindful of those things, ladies and gentlemen. And there's something I need to bring up to you guys. Uh, if you've gotten vaccinated right now, um, I want you guys to all go to gogetvax.com slash vax, yes. And what that will pull up is a website that has been featured on numerous um, media places like Fox, ABC, NBC, the Dallas Morning News, and Yahoo Finance. And by the way... Um, 
All you have to do is enter your phone number there, click create my Vax Yes card. It will text you. It will ask you for your first name. You'll text that back. It'll ask you for your last name. Text that back. It'll ask you which vaccine you got. Um, believe one for Pfizer, two for Moderna, or three for Johnson Johnson. You'll text one, two, or three appropriately back. It'll ask you for the date of your first vaccine. You'll put the date in month, day, all slashes, and then the four-digit year. Then it will ask you for the lot number. Then it will ask you for the second date of your vaccination. If it was just a one-dose vaccination, then you can just uh, ignore that. But you'd put that in. It'll ask you for that lot number. When you're done with that, it's going to ask you for your Vax card. Then it's going to go ahead and ask you for your driver's license, all done through text. And then they're going to verify it. Uh, they're going to even possibly call your medical institution where you got vaccinated to make sure your card is not a fake because we know a lot of people selling fake cards. Oh, yeah. And within about one to three days, they're going to send you an email. You can log in from your phone and you can download the certificate, the VAC certificate, and add that to your Apple wallet. And all you have to do, ladies and gentlemen, is you just have to hit the button and you can just show it right at the very bottom. Just like when I click on my phone, you're going to see I have two buttons. I have my I actually have my 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 uh, debit card, and at the bottom I have my GoVax, get Vax card. I just click it, and it pulls right up on the screen with even a QR code. So definitely do that. It is completely free, ladies and gentlemen. I think you're going to find a lot of value in that. I hope that you have enjoyed this show as much as yeah. I have. And if you missed any of the shows, you can always go to jmor.com. That's right. And uh, you can watch them even at 1 a.m. in the morning if you, you miss something. <laughs> But I want to share with you because we have some great guests coming up next week, which is June 11th. We have Dr. Michael Hutchinson, and he's going to talk to us about really the truth about COVID. Uh, after that, we're going to have um, Sheila Mack uh, coming, who actually is uh, the author of Bootstraps uh, and Bra Straps. And uh, so that's going to be really interesting. And then on the 25th, the last Friday of the month, we're going to have Andre Ruiz come, and he's going to give us some information on uh, how we can uh, improve our daily lives. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is always a pleasure to be with you here on the Jaymore Tech Talk Show. And listen, if you have not um, visited our website, go ahead and do that, jmaward.com. Please do go to those videos. Please like them. Please subscribe them. Click that bell notification icon so you'll be notified if you don't watch the tech show live every week. We know not everybody can make it at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. So that's why we have those there. And 7 to 14 days after the show airs, we transcribe the entire show, going right to our website, being able to read it, uh, making it very friendly for everyone, just making it really, really simple. And we're constantly trying to do things to make things easier for those that are not uh, able to... Um, have the accessibility we're even planning some things right now where the site will be able to be read to you so there's a lots of stuff coming and we're going to share that with you but if you have a product ladies and gentlemen or if you have an idea go to jmor.com again smash that uh, reach out button at the top right let us know about that product you'll need to donate it to us and then we will do an unboxing and a review if you have an idea for a show or you'd like to be a guest on the show Go ahead and tell us about the idea. Remember, it has to be educational. You can't come on here and say you're selling phones or selling widgets because our audience doesn't want that. Uh, but if you are looking to be an advertiser on our show, that's a different story. And we will be uh, starting to add some advertising into our program uh, as we progress because many of our viewers have said, can we get on your show? Can we 
share a product. Now, just because we put a product on our show in an advertisement does not mean that the Jay Moore uh, Tech Talk Show uh, nor any of its media partners, uh, host, co-host, have any endorsement to that product. And I want to make sure you're understanding of that. If we do a commercial, um, we're going to go ahead and do what we can to make sure that is bringing truthful information. If we bring someone on the show and we feel this is something you should try, we'll share that with you. But none of our, um, let's say, uh, um, uh, let's say sponsors can actually influence us and cannot pay us to put a show on the air. They can pay us to have an advertising spot, but we make the choice in editorial to decide, is this a guest that we went on the show? So a little bit about that real quick. If you're a guest coming to our show starting very, very soon in the next few weeks, you're going to apply to be vetted. And to be on the show, there is a small fee you're going to need to pay because we need to vet you. If the vetting goes through successfully, we keep that entire amount. If the vetting fails, we'll go ahead and refund half of that amount to you. We will then schedule you for a recording, uh, telling you for the show, and then after that, we will have uh, more details, but you do have to sign a media release. So this is how our show works. Uh, we're all about value. I hope you have enjoyed this show, Marcus. It has been another yeah. great show, hasn't it? Yeah, another one. Well, it's always a pleasure books. to be with you, Marcus. Same and it's here. great to be with all you folks. And it's great to not have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. So enjoy your weekend, ladies and gentlemen. And I will see you next week. That's right, uh, June 11th. But enjoy this first Friday of um, June. And uh, I think it's going to be getting a little bit warmer. So get outside, walk. Take a breath of fresh air, enjoy life, and uh, remember, we all have a lot to be grateful for, and keep building yourself by choosing to educate yourself every day, and you'll become a better version of yourself, and that's what we're all here for. Well, Marcus, we're going to say good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Jay Moore Weekly Technology Show, where we answer your questions about how technology is supposed to work and sometimes why you have challenges getting it to work that way. For more IT support and tips, just text IT support to 888 That's IT support to 888 and you'll get tips on technology. I'll see you next week right here on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. Remember, jmor.com. Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown.